welcome to the second episode of Success Unscripted. If you had a chance to tune into the first episode, thank you so much. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody who reached out with supportive comments and feedback. This has been a really fun project and I'm glad you guys are enjoying it too. So um, I did want to give you a heads up that this episode is going to be a little bit different for several reasons. I recorded it back in August with my dear, dear friend, Mickey Powell. And as we often do in our conversations, we start to venture into some pretty heavy topics. Um, I actually find it to be overall pretty hilarious and the final message is is quite uplifting, but um, I did want to give you a heads up that we talk about anxiety, we talk about depression, we even talk about suicide. So if that's not something that you want to be thinking about right now, you know, just turn that bad boy off. We also talk about family, so I, I feel it's important for me to mention that um, in the two months since recording this episode, both Mickey's mother and oldest brother have passed away. Thankfully, not from suicide, but um, both were very unexpected within days of each other, and um, it's been pretty devastating. I'm actually recording this introduction on Thanksgiving weekend, which is incredibly fitting because, Mickey, I am so, so grateful to have you in my life. The other thing that's a little bit different about this episode is that I decided to enjoy some wine while we chatted, and even stone cold sober, I have to really try not to slur my words, so you'll probably be able to tell that I get a little bit toasty towards the end, and um, (laughs) it's not my best look. I'm a little bit embarrassed about it, but uh, fuck it. I'm just going to keep reminding myself something that I heard Sophia Bush say, which is that you are allowed to be a masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously. And so with that, I invite you to sit back, grab a glass of wine or a cup of tea or nothing at all, and enjoy an intimate conversation between two very good friends who are just doing the best that they can. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me now? There you are. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Gosh, I'm not as nervous as I was when we did the webinar. (laughs) Well, there's not, you know, 60 people staring at you. Right. Well, I couldn't even see them. You know they're there. So... I'm super stoked for you to be, technically you're my second guest, because you know what happened yesterday? I don't. So I had Elise, who's like, I'm sure I've mentioned her, she's VP of Success and Support at Gorgeous, and like, mm-hmm. I placed her as the manager of Activation, and she's just like gotten promoted and promoted and promoted, and now she leads this huge team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I took an hour of her time, and then when I went to stop the recording, I didn't record any of it. So that's why I'm doing this with friends to start because, you know, she's doing it again with me next week. Uh-huh. Yeah. But no, I'm excited for today because I admire you a lot, both personally and professionally. And I know that you haven't always had it easy. And like me, you've, you know, struggled with some mental health stuff and ups and downs and yada yada. So definitely want to talk about some customer success stuff, but I want to get into the good stuff with you. (laughs) Sounds good. Because I know you'll go there. (laughs) But no, it's been so fucking cool to watch you blossom this year. Like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I know him. (laughs) (laughs) Like you were just killing it and you've become such an expert on customer success and AI and you're just working your tush off and um, doing some really, really, really cool things. So yeah, want to want to kind of get into your background. I also want to talk about like, you know, some of those times when you weren't necessarily on top of the world and um, kind of how to get out of them and all that, because I think that's that's part of helping other people find their own path but also like feel supported when they are down and out like everybody's been there and especially now like everyone except for you pretty much is there right now (laughs) (laughs) but maybe you are in some other ways I don't know I don't want to put words in your mouth but so yeah so tell me tell me what you do right now 
I know, but tell them. Yeah, so right now uh, I'm the head of go-to-market at Update AI. We're a very young company trying to do lots of things, but mainly we're trying to make sure that customer success is finally at the center of driving organizations forward. We refer to it as being the heart of the organization, and we mean that kind of in the literal sense of like pumping blood to the organs and the limbs. Um, we do that using artificial intelligence like ChatGPT as well as some of our own data science and just a totally zealot focus on customer success, which is my background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've spent last 10 years in customer success and it's just such an underserved community and function and uh, I'm sick of it, so I'm going to change it. <laughs> you are changing it. And yeah. um, not only is it underserved, but it's also so nuanced. Like, that's what I love about being a customer success recruiter is, like, it's not, it's not one size fits all. Not that it's that way for, like, sales or marketing or, you know, any other role. But, like, it's especially true in customer success that, like, the playbooks are different. The cadences are different. The type of people you need to hire are different. Like, it's just depending on all the different factors of, like, how big are your customers, what industry are they in, and um, all these different things. So it's it's just fun to, um, like, you get to be more creative with it um, and have really interesting conversations with success leaders, which I know you're doing all the time. So how did you find yourself in customer success? Uh, yeah, I found myself in customer success because I had some sales skills. Okay. So I didn't go to college. I moved to San Francisco in 2009. I started working at AT&T in retail mm. right across from the ballpark. And I'm a big, yeah, go ahead. Did I tell you that my first job was in retail at the Apple store? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that we, we covered that when we first or second met. Mm-hmm. Well, that was like it was like twenty million conversations ago. I don't remember that. Yeah, but back when it was AT and T Park, what is it now? Oracle. It'll always be Pac Bell to me. Wow. Yeah, you're throwing it way back to the beginning. Hey, born and raised. I'm born and raised in California. Yeah, so I started working across the street from the ballpark in 2009, which was awesome because I'm a big Giants fan. Baseball was my my first real like sports love. Is that what you're wearing? Yeah. Yeah. I like it, the black on black. Yeah. Yeah. So that was awesome. Like that, you know, I was single, new to San Francisco, I got a decent job. And, you know, I'm working down by the ballpark and I'm, you know, loving the whole Giants thing. But then I was starting to get good at my job. I was starting to deal with a lot of business customers and then just people living down by the ballpark. And you know who was living and working down by the ballpark in 2009? Besides homeless people? <laughs> yeah. Besides homeless people, it was a lot of startups. Right, right. Startups that people hadn't heard of at the time, like right. Square or Dropbox. Yeah. Or Yammer. I remember, can I, can I interject? Yeah. I remember back in, it must have been in seventh grade, so this was like 2001, 2002, and my dad's in commercial real estate, and he's driving me around, driving me to a bat mitzvah, and and this was before like Twitter moved in and all these companies moved in, and he started pointing out these buildings that they then moved into, and he said, you know, Sarah, this is like like this is about to blow up. This is the tech scene, and this was before the open concept exposed rafters. And he told me, he was like, these companies are buying these buildings and they're all going to sit in the same room and it's going to be this industrial feel and like, and just you watch. And it's, it's just so cool because now, well, and now we're going through another evolution of not going to work at all. But like, you know, when I was at Zenefits and all the, the different tech startups, like that was just how it was. But yeah. it's, it's funny being there during those inflection points. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a total shift, right? But yeah, so long story short, I was at AT&T for nearly three years and I saw, you know, I saw this like tech scene and I was like, this seems like something I should be involved in. 
I also just kind of came to the realization I'm never going back to school. And that's partially because I love to learn and I hate school. You know, reconcile that. Some, you know, somebody that's smarter than me, please tell me why that is because I've thought about it a lot. Well, another day. <laughs> yeah. So I went and got a job as an SDR at a company called Demand Force. That's where you met Jonelle. Yes. Well, actually, I don't know if I even actually met Jonelle. That, that's you, the funny thing. You seem to think that you know each other. She's going to well, be on this, too. It's because we know people that, like, we have similar groups that we know. Well, probably, like, in Salesforce, you saw each other, you know. Yeah, Salesforce, emails, but there was multiple floors. We had, like, four or five floors in a building. Mm-hmm. And I remember I interviewed there before yeah. I joined Zenefits, I think. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I became an SDR. Mm-hmm. It was so How'd hard. You, did you like the cold calling? I mean, no. some people like no. I mean, Yeah, most people don't. I have no. met people that, like, love it, which is... No, funny. yeah, those people... I've, I've met lots of those people. I saw lots of people do really, really well. And I started to learn what I was good at and what I was, wasn't good at and what I liked and what I didn't like. And I'm good at learning new things, learning them fast and applying them fast. Hence this whole chat GPT thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I really did not like being told no 98 times out of 100 calls. <sighs> yeah. 97 on a good day. But Demand Force had just been bought by Intuit. It was a step in the door. I knew I wanted to be in tech, but I didn't know anything more than that. Yeah. And I got promoted to be an account executive and quickly realized that wasn't really for me. And leadership there agreed too. Why? Not a closer? I'm just, yeah, like I wasn't, like, I didn't have the fortitude at the time to really stick it out. Yeah. Because like not only do you have to grind like an SDR, but you also have to do all the things you got to do to close. Yeah, and the quotes and the follow-ups and the timelines and the... Yeah, so it didn't really find my place. My wife and I actually... Oh, she, my girlfriend at the time, now wife. Did you meet in San Francisco? Uh-huh. Mm. And we almost moved to Sacramento because we have family and friends out there. But she got a job right out of college for a company called FitMob, which was later acquired by ClassPass. And so, so we decided to stick around... But I had already put in my notice at Demand Force, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do the cold calling anymore. So I was like, I got to go find another job. So I applied for a company called Five Stars for a client retention specialist that I seemed qualified for, and the hiring manager Gracie, she had me cold call in the interview, Gracie for a CS role. Well, not cold call. Sorry. She had me call a customer and talk to a customer in the interview. I think she wanted to make sure. I mean, that's it's almost better than like a role play, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did fine. I hate uh, role plays. <laughs> yeah, they're tough. Yeah, it's really hard. But yeah, I, I did fine. I got the job. I started at Five Stars May 27th, 2014 as a client retention specialist. The first one. How do you remember that date? How do I remember that date? I don't know. It just kind of stuck with me. But three days later, I was on the phone with Five Stars customers, trying to make sure they're successful and not canceling. And and we were gearing up to raise a Series B. So we were trying to get a handle on churn. Did it feel meaningfully different right away? Or like... Yeah, I mean, one of the ways that it felt different immediately is there was some data for me to to understand how they're using this tool that they already purchased. Okay. And what does Five Stars do? Five Stars is a loyalty and now payments processing tool for retail small businesses in the U.S. and Canada. Okay. And they came out of Y Combinator in 2011. And that's where I really cut my teeth in customer success, but also... Gracie and the other leaders there were really phenomenal in regards to allowing you to to get your hands dirty in lots of things. Yeah. So I taught myself really advanced Salesforce reporting. My fave. 
And then, of course, just like got more into the operational side. Mm. And then I tried to kind of get into training and enablement and I realized, okay, I know enough to understand how this works, but this isn't really what I love. Like I don't really love instructional design. You love school so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so like I went on that ride and actually I got la- I got laid off from, from Five Stars as a part of a large riff at the very beginning of 2017. Mm. Okay. How did that feel? Um, actually, not as that one didn't hurt as as bad as other ones that I've been a part of, um, and that's partially because I I knew it wasn't about me, right, right, because I knew where Five Stars was at the time. I had an understanding of the needs of the business, and. Um, my boss at the time, gentleman by the name of Micah, who is, I still consider a friend and mentor, um, he's the one that let me go. Mm. We still laugh about it. Well, it must have sucked for him. Yeah, he no, yeah, he didn't. He it wasn't. He didn't find any joy in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, it, I got laid off, and then it's like, well, what do I do now? And yeah. we knew we were going to move to Orange County from San Francisco. Now, and at that time. For anybody that remembers, in twenty early twenty seventeen, there wasn't a lot of remote jobs. Right. But yeah, so I couldn't really find remote work, and then fast forward like four months after getting laid off, Gracie needed somebody on her team, so I went back into my old role. You went back to five stars. I went back to five stars. Okay. And that's when I got more into operations, leadership, program management, and that kind of like really accelerated my career down to this like customer success operations path. Are you managing people there? I did manage people for a time there, yeah. And that was when I I realized like leadership is hard. It's obviously it's a different beast. Yes, Um, yes it is. And I really wanna be focused on driving like impact in the business from an operational standpoint. Yeah. Um, and I I was kind of figuring out my groove was working cross-functionally with people to do that. And then I found an opportunity at Zora to start and be the only manager of customer success strategy and operations. And then, you know, fast forward, I end up at Update AI. I'm fast forwarding over some painful parts. You want to fast forward over the painful parts? <laughs> We can talk about the painful parts. Yeah, so I left Zora for an opportunity at a company that I will not name because it was not a pleasant experience. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, it just, it, I was only there for a few short months. I literally like took the job and then a very, very difficult situation come came up in our family mm. and... I did not have the support of my leader. This leader, when I got hired, I made sure that they knew I have a daughter. I'm not available at 6 or 7 a.m. Right. If I can, on occasion, I will, because it was a global company, right? And I've done that before. Oh, okay, so this is not an early stage startup. This is a large global. Larger, larger global company. Mm. But like, broadly speaking, I'm not available. I'm taking care of my daughter in the mornings. I'm getting her where she needs to go. Um, And they were like, cool, yeah, no problem. Fast forward a couple of months, it became a problem because we had folks in time zones that me being on the West Coast, they could only really work with me if I had a meeting at 5 or 6, maybe 7 a.m. in the morning. Okay. And so, so your job be, was then at, in jeopardy because you couldn't take 5 a.m. calls. Yes. And it came to a head over a really short period of time that led to them letting me go. And by short period of time, I mean like 10 days. Okay. So I was there for a couple of months. I had set that expectation. It became a problem in a very short period of time, and then they let me go. Hmm. 
And I was pissed. Yeah. I mean, as you should be. I mean, I... As a recruiter, like... Obviously, my clients are the ones that pay me. I don't know if that's obvious, but... Um, <laughs> my clients pay me. And they pay me a lot. When I have them. Which is not right this second. <laughs> um, For anybody listening. <laughs> oh, I just started. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I always... Man, I know... Uh, I I will never work for anybody ever again for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but I know what it's like for something for a job not to work out. It impacts the per, the that that candidate slash employee far more deeply than it does the client. Like yes, okay, you might have paid me, you might have trained them, whatever, but like when my clients don't get even like from the beginning of like how much my candidates are putting in from like an interview perspective, like they're not getting time off of their job if they're employed to interview, obviously. Yeah. You're getting paid to interview them and they're changing. The, so it really, anyway, I find myself, even though my candidates don't pay me, I find myself always getting in their corner a little bit more than my clients most of the time. Yeah. And that just, that makes me angry for you. Yeah. It's a power dynamic for sure. <laughs> the person that is applying does not have the power in the relationship. Yeah, I mean, in a very strong candidate market, they can. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if they're higher level. But like, yeah. but no, once you, once you sign the deal, it's like what the company says goes it's all about the bottom line as it should be in a business to a certain extent you are responsible to your shareholders and the board and all of these things and you have to but there's a way there's a way to do it with your employees in mind and that's why I was a little bit surprised when you said that it was kind of a larger global company because well in my my closest experience with a large company is Salesforce because Dan, my husband, has worked there for six years. And he, I'll never forget when he got shingles. I mean, he he could have died. Like, it got into his eye. They didn't diagnose it for weeks. Oh, no. And he looked like the elephant man. Like, I would, I would leave the house to cry because I didn't want to cry in front of him. And I was giving him all these, like, the valcyclovir and all these different drugs at different times. And then I was also trying to get him like stoned out of his mind on gummies so that like he just wouldn't remember. Yeah. And, and Salesforce was like, yeah, take care of it. Like you do you. And they, and they did. And they, and they wrapped their arms around him and they supported him through it. And the same thing when his dad died recently and you know, he had a long paternity leave anyway. So, um, but I, I guess, I would expect that from an early stage startup because you don't have always have the resources to cover for somebody if but in your case you set the right expectations. So like I I there's no excuse in your case. <laughs> but it's an interesting thing I think as people are deciding if they want to go to a larger company or a startup um you know there are generalities you can make between both and I would have expected that sort of behavior more from a start at the larger company yeah you know reflecting back on it I think the simplest answers are the right one the the person and the company and the culture which is just really hard to assess from the outside yeah and knowing what I know now I would not suggest that company and I would tell right. I would tell right. folks like this company is pretty ruthless and maybe not completely honest. Yeah. And like they, you know, Cause you, I mean, you, you laid your cars out on the table, right? I mean, you said like, I have a, I have a young daughter. These are the hours I'm not going to be available. And you had that conversation either when you took the job or early on. Yeah. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And well, and it's just not a normal expectation that you will be available at five, six, seven a.m. Right. Yeah. 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 It would. And like, I would, I think I would feel differently if it was like, you know, we tried to work it out over a two month period, but like, right. 
the moment it became a problem, their response was to let me go. So you said how when Five Stars had that layoff that you you felt okay about it because first of all, it was this guy that you respected, that you trusted, that was in your you knew was in your corner. Yeah. But you also knew the circumstances of the company and you knew it wasn't your fault. Yeah. So how did you feel in this situation? Uh besides angry. Yeah. Um hurt and embarrassed. Hurt because I left I left a good position at Zora because I felt like this was an even better opportunity and more in line with my values because they were they were not a public company Zora was a public company and I actually sure. did want to go work for a startup um and they moved really fast and they were super excited and and they're selling this vision and then they pull it out from under me so fast and unless you're like going bankrupt which they weren't because they had just raised a bunch of money and they spent a crap ton of money on their sales kickoff over 10 million dollars is the word Booze. oh yeah 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 it was among whole, other things yeah, it was a whole thing so i'm just like that's that's the level of like we're gonna do what's best for us to the extreme that i just don't respect right and and so in hindsight it's obvious that that wasn't you yeah but in the moment <laughs> yeah of course like thinking like oh well did i mess this up you know could i have seen this how right. could i have played this differently did you start to spiral a little bit where you're falling asleep and you're like could i have done this differently and i remember this conversation and not as bad as the next one Ooh, okay all right not that i like hearing you in pain but i also know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel at least where we are now but yeah you know so I lost that job. Luckily, I found another job pretty quick. And it was at a company that my brother worked at. Okay, okay, okay. Tell me, tell me. And I was so excited. It was in a space I kind of understood, a product that works. Again, I'm not going to name names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get to work like around my brother, virtually speaking. Yeah. One of my brothers. I have three brothers. So I was like, I was bought in. Is this the least hippie one or the most? Well, like our parents are hippies, so like we we all have it in us. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yes, this is the okay. one. This is the one. If if by saying hippie you mean something else, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you know how you kind of like try to set your mindset for things. So I went into this one like. I'm going for it. I'm going to be here for a long time. I'm not going to jump in a year. Yep. Like, yep. Been I was, there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to be here like as long as my brother's here. This is my forever home. I'm going to be yeah. here for five years. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking like five years. I was like, I'm going to be like a senior director, maybe a VP if yeah, I'm lucky. Yeah, totally. Like this is the one. Yeah. And if, yeah. It, you know, yeah. and if there's a good exit and I make some money, cool. But like I was actually bought in to like the ride. The vision and the team. Yeah. Okay, so so far so good. Yeah, it did not work out that way. <laughs> so, long story short, some folks there thought that I wasn't the right fit for that role. And it was a customer success operations role, the first one. Okay. Is this a startup? It is a startup. Mid-stage startup, probably. Yeah, those. like B, B, yeah. C. That makes sense, yeah. And, you know... I'm trying not to place a lot of blame on them necessarily, even though this hurts, but it became apparent to me that they were actually looking for somebody who was much more analyst heavy. Okay. Or like somebody who came from McKinsey or right. PwC or... Yes, yes. And I bet you there was somebody in leadership that came from there and was like, why didn't we hire somebody from my... Yeah, so the VP I reported into had come from Bain. And to her credit, she did give coaching. And this wasn't as quick as the other one. Okay. But what was really frustrating for me is I really understood the their go-to-market, their customer, because it was very similar to Five Stars. And they weren't leaning on me at all for that side of my mm. skill set. 
and after a while it got to the point where they put me on a they wanted to put me on a plan a pep performance improvement plan yeah were you not were you missing metrics or like what was the it was i mean there there weren't metrics right it was it was all subjective it's all subjective they put you on a pip a subjective pip with subjective goals yeah uh, okay i know but like it, it's kind of hard in that role right because like to drive changes in numbers in an operations role kind of by definition takes a long time um so you kind of have to rely on the work as a measure okay i know i i don't hold it against them cuz it's tough in that regard but what was really tough is they present this pip and at the same time they say hey we don't actually think you're the right fit for this role we think that it's unlikely that you're going to be able to successfully get through this pip and even if you do we don't think it's sustainable so wow do you think i mean well i was already in my head thinking like well and not because I don't know this woman and it seems like she, you know, probably did the best that she could and had her heart in the right place. But like she she handled that part better than the previous one, for sure. But probably. You know, she's probably highly educated. You'd have to be to be from Bain. Oh, yeah. 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 She, yeah. She's a smart lady. Well, I'm sure she was, but that isn't synonymous with highly educated. <laughs> But do you ever wonder if she saw that you didn't go to college and held that against you, or does, am I just creating a complex that doesn't? Yeah, matter? I don't. I don't think that was the case. You don't think it was? Okay. Yeah, no, no. I think it was more like she has a model of how things should be done, and I wasn't fitting that model. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not. I'm not actually debating. And sometimes it is hard to know who you need to hire until you make that mistake. And but yeah, you were caught in the crossfire. Yeah. And they didn't want or value what I actually thought I brought to the table, which wasn't like right. this guy is going to run regression analysis and come up with like a bunch of Tableau reports to run our business. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm more of like a well-rounded. I understand how to deal with customers. I understand some of the data. I understand the systems. I understand how they work together. I understand how to work cross-functionally. That's what I thought I was being hired for. Yeah. And it turns out that what they really wanted was like somebody from management consulting to come in and just be like operational, 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 operational. So they gave me an option of going on the PIP or taking a severance, and I took the severance. Well, yeah, when they present it like that. Well, yeah. I actually was going to try to, like, I knew that they were going to present a PIP, and in my mind I was like, I'm going to get through it and execute and be fine. And then they presented it like that, and I'm like, yeah, if no one's rooting for you, how the fuck are you supposed to... Yeah, I was like, they don't actually expect... Yeah. <sighs> so, after that happened, that triggered an episode of depression that I've never experienced before. Like, I'd say at the lowest points of my life, on a scale of 1 through 10, maybe a 4 or a 5. And then I was like, I was like a 3. Like, for a few months... And it was just like, it, it was like every, like the spiraling, that was like, that was the worst. That was the worst time of my entire life. And I did want to actually ask you about this is like, and not that, they, and they're absolutely interconnected, codependent, anxiety and depression. Um, for me, my anxiety always comes first. And it's like when the, when the wheels are turning and like I can't get out of that spiral and I've done that for so long, then I get into depression and then it's just like almost like a wasteland. And it's mm -hmm. like I can't I can't get out of bed. I can't. And it's been it's been since 2017, probably that I was like truly depressed and and there's no need to make the distinction, I guess. But for me, I do have that strong distinction, probably because it helps me track where I am. Yeah. You know? But what did, I mean, what did that look like for you? 
um, I like really struggled to do anything. Like there were days where like all I could really do and like I, I don't really play video games a lot anymore. But, like, there were days where, like, all I could do was play video games for a few hours and try my best to keep up with, like, stuff around the house. Yeah, there you go. And I just, like, I wasn't enjoying time with my daughter. Yeah, how old was Logan? This So this was just last year. So she was, like, she had just turned four. Oh, yeah, it was recent, wasn't it? Yeah, this was right before Update AI. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's so crazy. And it was, it was so like, so my wife and I, we do, um, we do marriage counseling. We have for years and we like our, our marriage counselor is great. And she was like, you need to go see a psychiatrist. Like this isn't therapy. This is, this is psychiatry and likely, uh, prescription, like, like SSRIs, antidepressants. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, but yeah, but that's hard to hear. Well, yeah, like, and but I like, you know, we've all struggled, or not, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of us have struggled with suicidal thoughts, and it was really bad. I wasn't going as far because, like, luckily, when I think about like leaving my family, leaving Logan, like, right, that, right. that is strong enough to like help me stay right. away from the darkest of thoughts, but I had many thoughts of like, Man, this would all go away if I. Oh, honey, I've been there. I've been there, and I. Yeah, I wondered if we were going to go there today, and and was reflecting a lot. Um, and, I mean, I think it's so normal to think about it. I think where and I, I will I will never forget the week. I'm sure I've told you this. The week that both Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade killed themselves, I was like, that's it. I'm not going to not talk about this. I'm not going to like, I'm never going to shy away from this because I don't want anyone to feel like that's not, like that there's something wrong with them if they're going there. But yeah, there is, I think it's important to also be able to distinguish like, when is it like scary scary and that's when you start to plan yeah um but for me like when I was in college and was hospitalized on suicide watch like I could never I could never go there because I couldn't imagine doing that to my parents that's you but that's not a great reason to live either (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's not a great reason to live it's just like just not a good enough reason just enough not to kill myself right (laughs) No, but the, that's how, that's like, that was what, like thinking of my family, that's what, yeah. that's what kept me out of like getting to the two or the one <laughs> on the scale. So, so, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a little bit offline, but how do you, how do you get out of that? Um, yeah, this is an area I'm not actually particularly good at. And I think men, we, we haven't generally speaking had this modeled for us which is to like talk to people about it right (laughs) like men bottle it up and we push it down my brothers and i joke that like no no you you don't talk about things you push it down way down (laughs) um and and kudos to my brothers we have over the years have tried to to be there for each other and to talk about these things and we still struggle we still struggle to to talk about negative things do your brothers have similar mm-hmm. mental health stuff. Yeah, my sister doesn't, and frankly, my husband doesn't either. We we have our own struggles, and it, it usually it revolves around different things. But we, and like nobody from the outside would ever accuse us of being depressed, which is, you know, as much as I've learned, that's that's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, trying to get better at that, talking to my wife, talking to professionals. Um, but fortunately, this one was so bad and so prolonged that it did take antidepressants to like kind of just like reset the whatever set of neurochemistry plus self-loathing, you know, internal dialogue that was going on. I okay. First of all, I don't I don't love that you said unfortunately because I don't think there's any 
Sorry, like, you're right. You're right. The be- I don't think there's any like best way to do it. And like I this time, mm, it, that's like, what it took. Right. And I remember actually, Mickey, when you and I started talking, and like immediately we're like, okay, we're talking every week. <laughs> like you become like one of my best friends, and I haven't even met you in person yet. That'll change. Um, but that was about three weeks after you getting on Prozac. Yeah. And you were like, I'm a different person. I, I yeah. I've discovered ChatGPT. Oh, well, yeah, that was a good that was good timing too. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, everything happens for a reason, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with. There isn't. No, absolutely, there absolutely isn't. And but but I I get that too of like when I ask you like how did you get out of it like actually he, let me let me unpack the unfortunately because I think that that's a hint. At okay. one of my own issues, which is I like to be able to fix things myself. So, like, I, I was frustrated with myself that I couldn't get myself out of the depression. Like, I could see it. Yeah. I knew it was bad. I knew I didn't want it. But I literally couldn't get myself out. So I say unfortunately because there is a part of me that felt like I failed. Right, right. And I had to give up that narrative the narrative of the f- Mr. Fixer? I'm a I'm a failure. Oh, okay, to get past it, yeah. Because a lot of my self-worth has been tied up in intelligence. I'm learning how to let that go. <laughs> um, but if you can't fix something, you must not be smart enough. Most of the smartest people have the most issues. Well, yes. But that's that's like that's always been a, and it's still a problem I deal with. So, you know, I say un, I said unfortunately because underlying that is I want to be able to, I want to feel like I am good enough, smart enough, you know, whatever enough, 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 <laughs> yeah, to do it, and I couldn't. I. Is actually was the other thing I wanted to talk about today was like, where does self esteem come from? Because like I know for me, it changes, right? Like it, I was this like little like adorable little ballerina in tutus when I was really young, and then like I was super super like straight A, studious, like super smart, teacher's pet, and then like went to high school with like the smartest people like in the universe and was like middle of the road and couldn't rely on that anymore. And then like when it, anyway, had a dark time in college. And then when I got into the workforce, it was all about chasing the money. And, like I wanted to prove that like I could make my own money and I could buy myself that Mercedes and I could do all these things on my own without a man. Blah, 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 blah. And then like had some tough times, but then like, started my business and it was like really important for me to have everybody know that like even though my husband has a good job and he's making money like I make more money than he does and like I started my business I'm fucking badass and I'm making all this money and then this year you know is basically nothing like almost zero and I think it's actually the first time that I haven't Chained my self worth to something else other than maybe my daughter, but I think that's okay. I think that's every not. parent does that. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but like you know, a lot of times, and I think that's why these layoffs or firings or whatever. It's like you to, to be successful and to be engaged, you give so much of yourself to this employer, but at the end of the day, it's bottom line is it. It's not you. Even the best managers, the best cultures, the end of the day, you don't matter more than the bottom line, period. Yeah. And like I I made that mistake in my younger years of not understanding that and had similar, very similar experiences as you. And, and I'm surprised that I'm not like not really going through it right now because like 
because I'm not making any money and I don't have like I don't have that thing to be like this is what I am yeah I'm just I'm just being me I'm just following my heart I'm just doing what I think hopefully will be valuable both to me but other people maybe this podcast we'll see but also like taking care of my family and taking care of the house since we're not we don't have a housekeeper (laughs) (laughs) Um, ours was supposed to come today yours was yeah she got she's she's amazing and but unfortunately she's sick yeah no i i and sorry for the record i like i did not grow up with money and i am so 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 grateful that i'm at a point in my life where i can afford that help um and it's and i will never not be grateful for it (laughs) yeah yeah well and honestly and dan is like He's like, yeah, like maybe we should get a housekeeper in here to like, you know, just do some things. And and I'm like, I literally like like two hundred dollars even once a month. I'm like, like, do you know what I could buy? Do you know how many Amazon dresses I could buy with two hundred dollars? I think about the time. I think about the time it takes to deep clean your house. Yeah, no, I get I get on my knees and I I've been I've been there. Do the scrubbing and I I'm like I'm getting into the like um, the molding, oh, the yeah. baseboards, yeah. which I'll tell you, none of our housekeepers ever got into the baseboards. Nobody ever cleans the baseboards. Well, and that's what I'm saying is now like I was already very particular about my housekeepers and now I'm going to be really particular because anyway, we're off topic. Um, so you you talked about money and I want I actually I want to touch on that. I, I'm human just like everybody else, but it's. I have had to come to the reckoning of, oh, like, money is useful for many things. And I actually, I want money to further reinforce my values, like being able to spend time how I want to, being able to take care of my family, being able to take care of my extended family. That's what I want money for. Yeah. I mean, I think, man, I mean, it's such a personal thing, but also, like, I'm glad that money has become less personal. Like, for me it's easy to talk about with people because like as a recruiter like I ask people all the time what they make all the time I know whatever I like I probably could nail on the head what you're making pretty closely (laughs) I'd probably make less I'd probably make less and we've had that conversation and so I probably could yeah you have Mickey I probably could but that's okay like I made that decision but yeah whatever um but like my my comfort in like talking to people about money is is probably like pushing it oh, a little bit yeah, for most sense. people but like I think that's also like that's what that's what fosters uh, financial illiteracy is when everybody's keeping it so close to the chest and I think it's actually things are moving in the right direction where you're you have to actually say like what your going to pay for this role and all that so it's easier well, to have yeah. more pay equity but like being able to talk to talk openly about like because we all have the ups and downs well not everybody some people like never have to worry about that being born rich is is a double-edged sword we all know that you know if you don't go through struggles like if your character isn't tested if you aren't forced to like figure out your way through and that I want to say that, like, I don't think that that's the only way, but that's what people are. That's what people say sometimes. Sure. Um, well, it's kind of. I mean, back to the mental health stuff. Like, I remember Dan in 2017. He had just started at Salesforce, and he's been there for five or six years. So it's been since then. And that was like my year of like really like. <laughs> I was doing so many different jobs and I was coming home from waitressing at this restaurant that like nobody was going there and they were overstaffing and I was like literally putting my pennies on the carpet and like seeing how close I could get to like my half of rent and then everything else he would cover and then groceries and just like basics we were putting on credit cards and so we got into debt and um and so that was financially harder than we are now but now you know also not ideal and and I would call him those mornings when I couldn't get out of bed 
and I would call him and he would be at Salesforce at work, this new job, big job, and be like, I'm not okay. Like, I'm not okay right now. Can you call me back? Like, talk to me. And, you know, and I was jealous and like just all these things. And, and there was one time we went to Hippie Hill um, for Oyster Fest and my parents live near Golden Gate Park and we went there and we sat on the hill and I just I just started crying I couldn't stop crying and my parents picked me up and we went back to the house and they were like they're like Sarah I know you can't afford to go to therapy right now and it, it turned out also I had been on my medication for seven years and like I really needed to switch it but like I couldn't afford a psychiatrist for like 150 yeah. bucks a week or whatever and they were like we're gonna pay for it and like basically this is your intervention but the the thing that's crazy to me is that Dan then like you know fast forward a couple years and like I'm on my high horse again and I'm making all this money and whatever and um now it's gone down a bit since then but um but I remember being like what did what the fuck did you see in me I mean I could I literally couldn't get out of bed and I think at that point we were maybe engaged but we weren't married and you know I think it's also having those people in your corner and and I think it's one of the reasons why I feel so close to you is like you've also been in my corner and I think you and I are able to talk about the hard stuff but also like you know I remember you saying like well I'm not going to buy your courses but I'll root for, <laughs> for the sidelines but you know but, but um but no I mean it's god like what 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 makes a life right and like you know you're doing great now and like there's going to be a time I bet when you're hopefully not as down as you were before but you will be down a little bit and yeah, I want to be will. there I think that's like that's something that I've learned over time is that there's peaks and valleys, but my goal is to just continuously push that baseline up. And when there are tough times, now I have more strategies now. Like mushrooms? On occasion. Um, so, there, but there's also like, um, we go through these like tough times and it, as much as it sucked and I did not enjoy it, like it helps me learn. Yeah, yeah. And part of the reason I, part of the reason I want to be wealthy, wealthy so that when those tough times come, money is not the problem. Yes. That's why I want to make money more than anything is because we have no idea what's going to happen with AI. The world is burning. I mean, look at what happened with Lahaina. Like it's just devastating. Yeah. And that's happening everywhere. And the life that our kids are going to lead is going to be hard in ways that, like, we can't even imagine yet. And the people that have money are going to survive, and they're going to have it a lot easier. That's how it works. That same logic applies to the optimistic side of that scenario. Just like there are going to be challenges ahead that we can't imagine, there are going to be good things ahead that we can't imagine. It's actually kind of easier for us to imagine the, the difficult scenarios. And we got daughters, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. I think the, the point you make around wanting for your kids to rely on you, that's what I think about. I, th- I think about Logan, like, she's going to experience tough times. She'll probably get bullied. She'll probably struggle with image issues. Like, there's a multitude of things that can happen. I sincerely hope the worst stuff doesn't happen. I know. But if it does, I don't want her to ever feel like I'm not there unconditionally. I'm here unconditionally. Doesn't matter what happens. And yes, money would be a fantastic will be a fantastic tool to help in those situations. That goes to my point of like I don't want it to be a problem because I've I've been in this situation where it is a problem and I and I know it's a huge 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 stressor so one last kind of 
intense question is do you feel like you still I mean I imagine you still were there for her unconditionally but like how did that affect you as a parent when you were in that dark time last year yeah it was really hard to be there for her at all and it made me angry and it made me angry at myself sure and you want to be brutally honest yeah (laughs) right now I'm talking to you and there's a part of my brain that says she's likely home somewhere and I'm not giving her my attention get the fuck out of here well you just keep talking to me no I know well it's Friday and I got a glass of wine here I'm talking to one of my favorite people in the whole world but like parent guilt oh yeah I try to keep myself some slack I spend a lot of time with Logan I know you do I've always wanted to be a father. I take a lot of pride in being a father. I know you do. That is a part of my value, and it's a part of why I'm working my ass off with ChatGPT and my and our company, and why and why I stay optimistic. Because a lot of people say we want to go back to the way it was, and I don't think that. I think that's the wrong way of thinking about it. Because guess what? We cannot time travel yet. Hopefully, maybe one day. Mm, hopefully? Well, we'll see. You watched Family Guy? <laughs> I, I have. I've watched many <laughs> things on time travel. I know it's a slippery it's a slippery subject. Yeah. No, but my, my point is, like, there is no going back. That we have one direction of time. And if you want to go back to the way it was, yeah. you're fighting the wrong battle and you're asking the wrong question. So I stay optimistic, not rosy-eyed, everything's going to be perfect, but I stay optimistic that there is a future ahead of us, that it is, on the whole, better than what came before it. There will be new challenges, and I'm going to actively participate in crafting that Mm. and preparing Logan for those challenges because she will face them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it it's all about community, and I think community is so different now. You know, we used to rely on, like, who was physically next to us or who was physically in the office with us, and I don't know. I think about it a lot, Mickey. Like, you and Jonelle are two of my closest friends. Like, I consider you guys both professional colleagues in a way um but also like friends in the sense where like you get me so deeply and you support me and I support you in a way that like I feel like and and Jonelle's actually coming out to Colorado to visit me next month that's awesome I haven't even met her yet it's to your point like you know, if I were, and granted, I never liked going into an office, but like if we were all in the, you know, if we we're in the Bay Area and going in and blah, 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 it's like, would I have met you? Would I have met Jonelle? Like, would I, like, you don't know. Or how, would we have the time to cultivate yeah. the things that are meaningful? And like, I will tell you, full stop, my conversations with you and her, like, fill, fill up my cup. I feel the same. That's that's why I invest. I know. So, how much money are you investing at my normal hourly rate, multiplied by the opportunity cost of like the things I'm not? (laughs) Oh well, Mickey. Gosh, I just there's nobody I would rather hang out with on a. Friday afternoon with a glass of wine. Okay, there are like five people that are like are at least. Yeah, yeah. we could all hang out together. Yes. Well, you have to come out. You have to come out to I Colorado. Want to. It's in. I've been wanting to take my parents out there for a long time. It's just. It, it's like every time we want to do it, it's like, it's not. It doesn't work. Uh, all right, I have to go clean the house. Okay, Mickey. Oh, big hugs. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. Of course, I'll come back anytime. Cool. Sweet. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next week. You too, darling. Bye.